Sermon 1 of the Sermons upon the Epistle of St. Paul to the Ephesians by John Calvin, translated by Arthur Golding. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God, to all you holy and faithful ones in Jesus Christ which are at Ephesus, grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly things in Christ. When we read the epistles which St. Paul wrote abroad to diverse places, we must always consider that God meant that they should serve not only for some one time alone, or for some certain people, but forever and generally for the whole church. And truly, if a man consider well the doctrine that is contained in them, it will be easy to discern that God's intent was to be heard in the things that are spoken there, even to the world's end. And also that he hath had such a care of us, that he hath not overslipped or forgotten anything that might further our welfare and salvation. The sum of this epistle, which I have now taken in hand to expound, is that St. Paul confirmeth such as had been trained in the gospel before, to the end that they might know that this is the thing whereupon they must rest, as upon the true lawful and perfect wisdom, and that it is not lawful to add anything thereunto. And he telleth us that the benefits which are brought to us by our Lord Jesus Christ, and whereof we be made partakers by means of his gospel, are so excellent that we must needs be too too unthankful, if we tisk to and fro as folk that are never at rest nor contented. And thereupon he showeth us also what we have in Christ, to the end we should so stick unto him, as not to presume to seek help anywhere else, but assure ourselves that he hath bought us all. Again, on the other side, he showeth us that Christ hath so well provided for his church, that if we have the wit to use the gift of grace which he offereth us, we shall have full and perfect happiness." Therewithal he warneth such as have been instructed in the truth of the gospel to lead a holy life, and to show that they have profited as they ought to do in God's school. Now these things serve not only for the city of Ephesus, nor for any one country, nor for any one age or time, but we had needed to be furthered more and more, seeing that the devil practiseth without end or ceasing to thrust us out of the way. And when he cannot lead us quite away from the doctrine of Jesus Christ, he laboureth to bring it out of taste with us by some way or other, and to entangle us in new curiosities, only to bring to pass that we may not be constant in the faith that we have received, but stand always in a mammering. Now, whensoever our fancies are so tickled, it is certain that there is a gap opened to wipe out the remembrance of all that we had learned afore, and to take in many follies, yea, and erroneous doctrines, which serve to corrupt and pervert all the pureness of our faith. We see then that the doctrine which is contained in this epistle is directed and dedicated unto us at this day, and that God hath by his wonderful providence so disposed things aforehand, that we not only have the foundations of the gospel whereupon to ground ourselves, but also whereby our faith may from day to day grow and increase, and we go still forward till we come to perfection. And first and foremost, St. Paul claimeth the authority unto him which had been given him of God, to the intent that men should not stop at his person, as though it had been but a mortal man's saying. For in very deed our Lord Jesus Christ is the only master at whole hand we must learn, for it is witnessed of him from heaven that it is only he and none other whom we must give ear unto, 
and it hath always been God's will to have the guiding of his own church himself, and that his word should be received without gainsaying, and he hath not given that privilege to any creature. And whereas Jesus Christ is ordained in the room of God his Father, it is because he is God manifested in the flesh, and the infallible truth itself, and his wisdom which was before all time. Furthermore, when men speak, they must not do it in their own name, nor allege aught of their own fancy and brain, but they must faithfully set forth the thing that God hath enjoined them and given them in charge. Thus ye see why St. Paul doth, as it were, everywhere use this preface, that he is the apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he so holdeth it for a sure and absolute ground, that if any man thrust forth himself to speak in his own name, there is nothing but rashness in him. Why so? For he taketh that thing upon himself which belongeth alonely unto God. Again, forasmuch as our Lord Jesus Christ was purposely sent to be our last teacher, that we might have such wisdom as were perfect and utterly without fault, therefore doth St. Paul call himself an apostle sent of him. This presupposeth two things. The one is that St. Paul had that charge committed unto him, and the other is that he acquitted himself duly of it by employing himself faithfully in the office that he was called to. For were a man the best able and most excellent in the world, yet if he thrust forth himself of his own head, he troubleth all common order. And we know that God will have order and not disorder among us, as St. Paul saith in the fourteenth chapter of the first epistle to the Corinthians. He then that speaketh, at least wise to teach, must have calling, that is to say, he must be admitted and have his charge given him, so as every man may not put forth himself of an unadvised zeal, as I said afore. Now to speak any further of St. Paul's calling, it is not needful at present, for we know how God gave record that he avowed him for his apostle. And indeed he disputeth not much of it here, because it was known well enough in the church of Ephesus. But forasmuch as the Galatians had been troubled by deceivers, insomuch that St. Paul's authority, yea, and the name of God himself had been disgraced there, we saw how he maintained his own state, telling them that the reverence due to an apostle of Jesus Christ could not be taken from him without overthrowing the order of God. And therefore it is enough for him here to have said in one word that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. Let us come to the second point which I touched, namely that it is not enough for a man to be called except he discharge his duty with a pure conscience and upright dealing in his office, which thing St. Paul took upon him as a thing out of all question, and he had given sufficient proof of it. The deceivers may well boast themselves with full mouth that they be called, as we see they do. For all they that fight against God and his word, and so trouble and Darnell in his church, would fain make a buckler of their calling, and also of their zeal, for they will needs be called Christians, yea, and more too. But St. Paul had sufficiently proved that he came not of himself, nor sought anything else than to spend himself in the building up of the church. And forasmuch as the same was well known in Ephesus, as we may gather by the story of St. Luke, yea, and that he had borne out many a hard brunt, therefore he thinketh it enough to say in one word that he is an apostle of our Lord Jesus Christ. And here we be warned first to hold ourselves to the pure doctrine which we know to have proceeded from God, for we cannot do amiss if we follow that rule. And because that in our Lord Jesus Christ we have the performance of all that is requisite and needful for our instruction, 
so as we need not to doubt whether we may hold us to the gospel or add somewhat to it, let us be contented to take the Son of God for our Master, specially as he vouchsafeth to stoop so low as to take that charge upon him, and also protesteth that if we have profited well in his doctrine, we shall come to the true mark whereunto we should go. Ye see then that the first lesson which we have to gather upon this text is that our faith must not waver one way nor other, but have a sure and unmovable foundation to rest upon, that is to wit, God's truth, even as it is contained in the gospel. And seeing that St. Paul is sufficiently avowed unto us, let us not doubt, but God's Spirit speaketh to us at this day by his mouth, neither let us hear the doctrine as though it were subject to our judgment, but let us imprison our own understanding and wits, and receive it without scanning, except we will willfully make war against God, and advance ourselves above him. And so that is one of the things which we have to mark upon this text. Furthermore, to the end that this doctrine may not only be reverenced among us, but also be amiable to us, let us mark that St. Paul speaketh in the name of Christ, who was sent unto us of God his Father, to bring us glad tidings of peace. And also let us bear in mind how he saith in another text, that he was ordained to bring the message of atonement, and beseecheth men in God's name to be reconciled to God. Now I told you that this was done to make the doctrine of the gospel sweet, that we might be desirous of it, and give ourselves wholly to it. For whensoever it is told us that God speaketh to us, truly it is enough to authorize all that he shall speak. But yet might we tremble at his voice, and therewithal be weary of it, according as we see a great number confess well enough that God deserveth to be obeyed, and to have all men subject to him, but in the meanwhile they start away and shun him as far as they can, because his voice maketh them afraid. But when Jesus Christ speaketh to us as the mediator between God and man, we may go to him boldly, for, as it is said in the epistle to the Hebrews, we be no more, as it were, at Mount Sinai, where the lightnings flashed in the air when the law was published, insomuch that if a beast had come near it, it must have died. The voice, therefore, which God uttered at that time was terrible. But nowadays, seeing that he encourageth us by the gospel to receive the grace that he offereth us, and is minded to wipe away the remembrance of our times, let us suffer ourselves to be justified by his free goodness, and let us be peaceable and obedient unto him. For that ought well to move us to resort unto him like poor hungry souls, to be fed with the heavenly food that he will give us, Thus ye see in effect what we have to remember when St. Paul calleth himself the Apostle of Jesus Christ. Whereas he addeth that it is by the will of God, it serveth to cut off all scanning to the end that men should not blame him of presumptuousness, as though he thought himself of more reputation than other men. For he protesteth that it was not for any worthiness of his own, but because it had pleased God to choose him to that office. And surely it is no feigned humility that he saith he was set in that place by God's mere grace and choosing. For we see how he protesteth in other places that he is not worthy of such honour, but rather had deserved utter damnation, and therefore was to be taken as a mirror of God's infinite goodness, in that he had exalted him so high, even him that had been a murderer of Christians, that had shed the blood of the martyrs, and that had railed against God and his word, as he himself reporteth it. We see then that there was no feignedness 
in this confession of his where he saith that he was set in that state and degree by the only will of God. And this serveth us to great purpose still, to the intent that we esteem not God's word after the quality of them that bring it to us. For one of the ordinary policies which the devil useth to diminish the reverence of God's word withal is to outface us with the persons that bring it. Now it is certain that we be frail vessels and of no value, yea, and even as good as broken pots. What is there in them whom God hath ordained to be the ministers of his word? But it is the treasure always inestimable, notwithstanding the despisedness of the vessels. Then let us mark that when men come to warrant us the forgiveness of our sins, and the salvation which we ought to hope for, our faith must mount up higher, and not stand scanning whether such a man be worthy to be heard or no, or inquiring what manner of person he is. Let us hold ourselves contented, that God by that means intendeth to draw us to himself. That is the way which we must walk, and if we stop aside from it, by and by we run astray, and are in the highway to destruction. Then let us mark well that we must submit ourselves to God's will and ordinance, and receive without let the doctrine that is preached to us by the mouths of mortal men. For we must not be wise after the manner that a great number are, which demand whether God could not send his angels from heaven, and teach us by revelations nor also after the manner of some busybodies which bear themselves in hand that they have the Holy Ghost in their selves, by means whereof they hold scorn to receive the gifts as they be dealt abroad by God. To the end we be not bewitched by Satan after that manner, let us mark how it is said here, that it is God's will that the gospel is preached by the mouths of men, and that they be, as it were, witnesses of it unto us, and that whosoever exempteth himself from that order is in like case as if he did thrust back God's hand when he offereth him sure and infallible record of his salvation. Thus ye see still what have we to mark upon this text. Again, they that are called to bear abroad God's word ought to take warning by St. Paul's example to walk in lowliness. For who are we if we compare ourselves with him? He showeth us that he was not chosen for any sufficientness or ability that was in him, but because it was God's will to have it so. Therefore let us assure ourselves that we hold all things of him and of his mere grace, and that we cannot challenge aught to ourselves, unless we mind to rob him of his right. And we know that such unthankfulness were not to be borne with all. Hereupon he saith, To all the holy ones that are at Ephesus, and to the faithful in Jesus Christ. True it is that the name of the city is expressed here, but yet, as I have touched already, the doctrine is common to us all, and God hath ordained it to our use at this day, and we must receive it, as if St. Paul were still alive and among us. Yea, and we must not only have an eye unto him, but unto the party by whom he is sent. For although he died when he had finished his race, Yet notwithstanding, God's spirit dieth not. Howsoever the case stand, we must for our learning bear in mind what St. Paul meaneth here when he speaketh to the holy and faithful ones in Jesus Christ. Albeit then, that we be not of that time, nor of the country and people of Asia, yet notwithstanding, seeing it hath pleased God to match us with those to whom St. Paul wrote in his time, 
Let us assure ourselves that it standeth us on hand at this day to be strengthened in the faith which we have received by the gospel, because it was the intent and purpose of the Holy Ghost to encourage all those to hold out which have been entered in the gospel, and are yet weak and have need of larger confirmation. But let us bear well in mind that these words, where it is said, the holy and faithful ones in Jesus Christ, for St. Paul showeth that all the holiness of men is nothing else but lewdness, till God have applied them to his own service, dedicated and consecrated them thereunto by faith. For we are all unclean by nature, and there can never anything come from us but uncleanness. True it is that if men can set a fair glass and countenance upon things, they have taken for as righteously as may be, and their virtues shall be commended everywhere according as we see that a man shall purchase the fame of great perfection if he have but some gay things in him but we must remember how it is said in the fifteenth of the acts that god cleanseth men's hearts by faith and he had great need to do so for as the prophet jeremiah saith man's heart is a dungeon of horrible confusion we ourselves perceive it not but god hath clearer eyes than we howsoever the case stand let us assure ourselves of this that all the holiness which men surmise themselves to have is but corruption utterly abominable before god till such time as they be made one with him by belief in the gospel therefore mark it for a school point that none other holiness is liked and allowed at god's hand than the holiness of the believers for except we first become christians we be blind and can never yield god his duty although there were none other lewdness than this were it not enough to mar all the virtues that we could have besides. Again, seeing that the spirit of perfection, the spirit of the fear of God, the spirit of righteousness, and the spirit of pureness abideth and resteth in Jesus Christ, it is certain that all such as are separated from him have nothing else in them but vice, and all manner of uncleanness, how much soever the world fawn upon them. And on the other side, let us mark also that all such as boast themselves of belief in the gospel, and are not sanctified of God, do bewray their own hypocrisy and lying, and dote themselves by their own life, whatsoever their mouth sing or say, according as we see many nowadays, which defile and unhallow the name of faith, which ought to be holy. For every man will say he is faithful, and they that have least faith are boldest to say that there is no faith but in themselves, and would God it were so, but in the one half of us. But we see even among all that bear the name of Christians, their whole life is disordered and loose, insomuch that they mock God to the full, and despise all religion, and yet notwithstanding do in the meanwhile think, as I have said already, that they have great wrong, if they be not taken for good Christians and Catholics. Yet for all this we see how St. Paul knitteth these good things together in inseparable bond, namely, that if we have the faith of the gospel, we must therewithal give over ourselves wholly unto God, and separate ourselves from the corruptions of the world, according as we have seen how that in the epistle to the Galatians he saith that the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ is to the end we should be sanctified by his blood, to yield obedience henceforth in all pureness unto God his Father. And as he saith in another place, we be not called unto uncleanness, but unto righteousness, to the intent that God's name should be honoured and glorified by us. Thus ye see that we have to remember in this preface, to the end, we may be the better prepared to receive the doctrine contained in this epistle, and the same may have such authority among us as it deserveth, and moreover, 
be made amiable to us, so as we may understand how it is for our singular benefit to learn at Paul's hand, for so much as he witnesseth the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ unto us, and leadeth us to God to be reconciled unto him, whereas we be naturally the children of wrath, and furthermore that we may stand in his favour, so as we may behold to call upon him as our Father, and be sure that he also taketh us for his children. Thereupon he useth a thanksgiving to lift up all men's hearts to acknowledge how much they be bound and beholden unto God, specially considering that he hath showed himself so bountiful towards them in giving forth himself after all manner of sorts. Blessed, saith he, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly things, or in heavenly places in Christ. Forasmuch as the chief sacrifice which God requireth at men's hands is that they should acknowledge his benefits, and shall be thankful to him for them. St. Paul considereth first of all how the same may provoke them to do their duty, for we be so reckless, as it is pity to see, we can well enough confess that our chief study and endeavour ought to be to have a well-ordered life, that is to wit, to praise God. For if a man ask us wherefore we be in this world, wherefore God hath such a care of us, wherefore his goodness feedeth and cherisheth us, and finally, wherefore he doth, as it were, put out our eyes with the great number of benefits which he bestoweth upon us, it is to the end we should yield some acknowledgement of them unto him. For, as it is said in the psalm, we on our side cannot profit him at all, neither requireth he aught else of us in exchange than thanksgiving, according as it is said in the 116th psalm, what shall I render to the Lord for all the benefits which I have received of him, but only to take the cup of welfare at his hand and to call upon his name. We see then that all that ever we can bring unto God is but to acknowledge ourselves bound to him for all things. And yet for all that no man dischargeth his duty, no, nor the hundredth part of it in that behalf, but rather all of us, from the greatest to the least, do defraud him of it, inasmuch as we cease not through our lewdness to bury his praise, which ought to ring shrill in our mouths. For this cause our Lord rebuketh us for our negligence, for whereas the Holy Scripture exhorteth us to praise God, and useth so many words to that purpose, let us not think that they be superfluous, but let us acknowledge them to be as many upbraidings of our churlishness and unkindness for failing in the thing that is so requisite, and, as we should say, the principal point of our life. True it is that the Holy Ghost doth oftentimes set forth other reasons why we should magnify God's name, as the order of nature, the fruits which the earth yieldeth, the aid and help which God giveth us, and such other things, and those are sufficient matter wherefore to praise God. But St. Paul leadeth us higher here, and will have us to glorify God above all things, for because he thinks it not enough to have set us in the world, and to cherish us here, and to have provided all things needful for the passing of this transitory life, but also hath chosen us to be heirs of his kingdom and of the heavenly life, then we are double-bound unto God, and that much more straitly than the ignorant and unbelieving wretches are. For although they be sufficiently bound already, yet notwithstanding the good which he hath done us in Jesus Christ, is without all comparison more excellent and noble, because he hath adopted us to be his children. Truly, inasmuch as we be men, we be of the number of his creatures which he hath fashioned after his own image. 
but what for that? This image is defaced in us by sin, and the corruption wherewith we be attainted by Adam's disobedience. And now what other heritage have we than of his wrath and of endless death? To be short, we be not worthy to be reckoned in the number of brute beasts, if we abide in the state which we have of nature. Now then, seeing that God maketh us members of his only Son, and setteth us in the array of the angels, and prepareth us to become partakers of his own nature and glory, as saith St. Peter in his first epistle, ought we not to perceive there so high and noble a grace, as should ravish us wholly in love with it? Thus ye see that of the things which St. Paul meant to say in this text, the first is that we be here exhorted to apply our whole endeavour to the praising of God, verily because we be too cold and slothful in that behalf, if we be not driven and enforced thereunto. Besides this, St. Paul had one other respect more, which was to feed us in such wise with the grace that we have by the gospel, as we may no more covet this thing and that after our ordinary manner. We see how fickle we be of nature, and when God is so good unto us, as to set his word before us, we will needs have some other things besides, and nothing can content us. And what is the cause of it? It is for that we be dull, and never conceive nor understand what God showeth us by his word. For we shall see hereafter, that such as know the love which God showeth us in our Lord Jesus Christ, have all that they can wish, upward and downward, far and wide. Also St. Paul doth now call upon us to bless God, to the end, to hold us to the doctrine wherein consisteth the fullness of all felicity, at leastwise, if we have the skill to use it to our profit. Furthermore, let us mark also, how not without cause, he saith, that it is in spiritual blessings. For although we cannot eat a bit of bread, nor drink a drop of water without theft to Godward, except we acknowledge and confess that he therein showeth himself a very father towards us, Yet notwithstanding the things that concern this body and transitory life of ours are nothing in respect of the things that serve for the everlasting welfare of our souls. And in very deed St. Paul's exhorting of us here to praise God for his heavenly blessings is in such wise that therewithal he giveth us an inclining that we must be patient if we be pinched in respect of the flesh and have not all things at will, but that God cutteth us short of our pittance, and handleth us not so tenderly as we would be. Two things, therefore, are contained here. The one is, that we should learn to know wherein our true and perfect happiness consisteth, that is to wit, in the life which we hope for, and which is hid from us as yet, to the intent we should not be tied to the world. Mark that for one point. And secondly, that if this world shake us off and despise us, and men make a laughing stock of us, we must settle ourselves in patience, and while the despisers of God vaunt themselves with pomp and flattery, and it seemeth that we be unhappy in respect of them, insomuch that some of us suffer hunger and thirst, and other some be troubled and vexed wrongfully, we must look further. And why? even because we ought to content ourselves with the heavenly blessings which God hath bestowed upon us. Then must this so great, so high, and so inestimable prerogatory make us to overpass all encumbrances that we can conceive, whensoever God exerciseth and trieth us in this world by many afflictions, and will have us to endure scarcity and penury of many things. This is the effect of the things which we have to mark in this strain." 
Now, before we go forward with the rest, let us mark that this word blessing is taken in diverse senses when St. Paul applieth it either to God or to ourselves. It is said that we bless God, and how as he blesseth us, after what manner doth he bless us? We bless not him as he blesseth us. We come far short of that. For, as I have alleged already out of the sixteenth psalm, all our services can do him no good. And again we must needs conclude that, as I have already alleged out of the hundred and sixteenth psalm, all that we can bring unto God is no more but this acknowledgement that we be beholden to him for all the good things which we have. Ye see then that all our blessing is but to yield the sacrifice of praise unto God. Let that serve for one point. But now, when God blesseth us, is it but only in words? No, it is a filling of us and a bestowing of all things upon us which we want, so far forth as is needful. And why is this word blessing attributed unto him? Because he needeth not to travail and take much pain to help his servants and to give them the things that he knoweth to be expedient for them. If he do but say the word, that is to say, if he do but utter his will, the thing is done. Forasmuch then as God, having created the world by his only word, hath power also to do us good by his alonely behighting of it, therefore it is said that we become rich by his only blessing, that is to say, by his showing of himself loving and favourable to us. Now let us see if we be to be excused when we defraud God of his due by disdaining to open our lips to confess how much we be bound and beholden unto him, after we have received so many benefits at his hand. Let all the blessings that all the men in the world can give unto God be laid into the balance against the only blessing wherewith he enricheth us, and which shall outweigh other. All that they can allege is, but that they must be fain to confess, that they can neither do nor say anything that is aught worth, whereas, on the other side, God showeth us that he hath all that is requisite for our welfare. Therefore, it is not without cause that St. Paul saith here that the faithful must give and apply all their wits and endeavours to bless God, seeing he giveth them so great cause, for else they be unthankful and stark churls. Therefore he speaketh two things, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which hath blessed us in Christ. Whereas he saith the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, it must be laid forth after this manner, namely that the God whom we feel so favourable unto us, is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This circumstance deserveth to be well marked, for thereby St. Paul doth us to understand that God's benefits, and especially those that belong to the heavenly life, and to the everlasting salvation of our souls, cannot come at us except Jesus Christ be, as it were, the conduit pipe of them, so as we may be made partakers of them for his sake. Therefore let us mark well that we be shut out from all God's benefits and from all things that concern the salvation of our souls, unless Jesus Christ become our means. True it is that the unbelievers do eat and drink and give themselves to the utmost, and the sun shineth upon them. But yet howsoever they fare, to speak properly, they enjoy not any of all the things that God giveth them, because they usurp them without any lawful title to them. For the world was made for God's children, yea, and that in respect of their head, which is our Lord Jesus Christ. To be short, it is not without cause that St. Paul showeth how God hath given himself unto us, saying that it is because he is the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. But, as I told you even now, here the matter standeth not upon eating and drinking, but upon far greater and preciouser things, namely that God hath adopted us for his children. 
And so ye see, in effect, what we have to bear in mind. Howbeit for the better profiting of ourselves by this strain, let us mark that we must bridle ourselves, lest we wander into diverse speculations, when we know God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And why? For the papists have this word God often enough in their mouths, and likewise the word Jesus Christ, but in the meanwhile they have disfigured Jesus Christ, and utterly falsified the doctrine of his gospel, wherein he should be seen. So have they a God, howbeit but by confused imagination, and in the meanwhile they know him not, and truly they wot no more what God they worship than the Turks do. We know that our Lord Jesus Christ in the fourth of John saith, that they which have not the doctrine whereby to rule themselves well, quote not what they worship, but do continually forge idols to themselves. Therefore there is but only one way to have good and infallible access unto God, and that is by beholding him in his lively image, for his majesty is too high, too far off, and too deep for us. But Jesus Christ hath communicated himself to us, and applieth himself to our weakness, and taught us whatsoever was requisite to know, that we might come to God his Father. Ye see then, that we must have our Lord Jesus Christ for our way, to the intent we stray not. For seeing that God is the Father of our head, and of him that is made one with us, ye see how we may have access to come familiarly unto him. And surely without that mediator we are all shut out from him, and the majesty of God must needs make the hairs of our head to stand up for fear. But when we consider that he calleth himself the father of him that is our head, we know that he also must needs avow for us his children, because he hath bought us. Furthermore, although St. Paul do set down here but the one word of spiritual blessings, yet notwithstanding he showeth that God hath showed himself bountiful towards us more ways than one, and therefore... He will make a more large declaration hereafter by laying forth the benefits particularly we obtain by the gospel, for all this chapter is full of them. But howsoever the case standeth, yet doth he give us to understand in this strain that God's giving of his gracious gifts unto us is not by patches and parcels, and that his making of us to taste them is not with a wet finger and away, as they say, but that he hath given us them so diversely and fully that we have cause to magnify him in all respects. Therefore let us understand that seeing that Jesus Christ is so given unto us, and in him we obtain all that is available to our salvation, and to make us happy according also as Paul speaketh of it in the eighth to the Romans. For if the only Son be given unto us, how should not all the benefits which he hath in him be communicated to us with him and by his means? But howsoever we fare, let us learn to favour God's spiritual gifts in such wise as all our wits may be gathered home to make much of them. And for the bringing thereof to pass, let us beware that we have not our minds too much wedded to the world. For the very cause that draweth us away, so as we perceive not the hundredth part of the good that God hath done us, nor can we apply his benefits to our profit, is our own vanity, because every of us beguileth himself with his own fond and wandering lusts. Therefore let us learn to shake off the things that stop us from coming to our Lord Jesus Christ." And although our naughty nature provoke us to seek the transitory things of this world, yet let us do our endeavour to withdraw from them, so as we may yield ourselves with a free heart unto God, and be earnestly minded to obey Him, and to give ourselves wholly unto Him. For so is it His will to have us joined unto Him. 
This is the thing which we have to mark upon St. Paul, when, having spoken of the spiritual blessings, he addeth immediately in heavenly places, or things, whereby he meant to show that we be not able to receive the gracious gifts which are communicated to us in our Lord Jesus Christ, and which God would have us to possess, till we know how there is not anything in this world that ought to hold us back. Therefore, when we once know that we be not created and made to dwell always in this world, but that we must be not only as wayfarers in it, and that our everlasting heritage and rest is above in heaven, let us thereupon make thitherward, and strain ourselves to it more and more. And although we be feeble, yet let us not faint, but pluck up a good heart, and pray God to give us it. Moreover, ye see, that the cause why St. Paul setteth down the word blessings, is to do us to wit, that whereas the devil layeth many traps to thrust us out of the way, God will provide remedy for them all. And why? For he hath such store of blessings, that he can overcome and destroy all that ever may be against our welfare. But now let us fall down before the majesty of our good God, with acknowledgement of our faults, praying him to touch us more and more with them, that we may be brought to true repentance, so as we may condemn ourselves and seek to our Lord Jesus Christ for all that we want, and that not for one day or at a braid, but continually and steadfastly to our lives' end, and that whatsoever befall us, we may always assure ourselves that we have cause to praise our God, and that if we be poor and miserable in this world, the heavenly felicity is enough to quiet us, and to sweeten all our afflictions and sorrows, and to give us such contination as we may nevertheless have our mouths open to bless God, for showing himself so kind-hearted and liberal towards us, as even to adopt us to his children, and to show us that the heritage which hath been purchased for us by the blood of his only Son is ready for us, and we cannot miss of it. So we go to it with true and invincible constancy of faith that it may please him to grant us this grace not only to us, but also to all people, etc. End of Sermon 1